0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I just wanna ask one quick favor before we jump into this episode. You know, I've been organically growing this podcast for over five years, and I need your help to keep the momentum going. There's two things you can do. One is leaving a five-star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a lot easier. You'll see the rating button right at the top. Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down the page a little bit and you'll see a write a review button. Additionally, if you want to share this out with your audience on your social channels, text it to a friend or colleague or family member, whatever you have to do to pass this along to individuals that you find may need to help and may be looking to get started. So either of those things or both of you like would be appreciative so I can get this podcast out to more individuals and we can help more people get started and move in the right direction to a more happy and fulfilling life. So thanks again for your help. And grateful to have you here on another episode. Let's get it started. On today's episode, I welcome back in Case Kenny to the podcast. Case was originally on in November of 2018 on episode 29. So it's great to catch up with him after four and a half years and talk about all the cool things he's been doing. He's put out several journals. He has his new book, That's Bold of You. And he's still doing his new mindset, Who Dis podcast, which is almost at 500 episodes. So I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation I had with Case. And without further ado, please welcome in Case Kenny. Case, welcome back to the Just Get Started podcast. Good to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Full circle. <laughs> it's been a long time, man. Um, I was just in the infancy of my first year doing this podcast, and uh, you were appreciative to jump on. So I, uh, I appreciate you coming back in and. It's, it's always interesting to see, you know, I've been obviously following your journey since then and just kind of the things you've done, how you have pivoted and grown. And you know, one of the things that's always interesting with folks that I kind of stick with that have been on the podcast um, is how they haven't given up. They've maybe not doing the exact thing they were doing back then, but they certainly have kind of learned what they want to do in life and kind of leaned into that a little bit more. So that's what I want to spend this time talking about in the conversation. Uh, so can you share a little bit about what maybe the last so let's take like 2019 through today like mm-hmm. what have you been kind of working on what have been some of the things that you've maybe pivoted or changed since that time um, and, and how that's helped you I guess maybe lean in more to like a purpose and, and the things that you want to do
1: yeah for sure yeah I mean wow so 2019 I mean for one then whenever we chatted um, I was doing Everything I'm doing now, in an extent, but I was also working a full-time job. So I think the biggest change from then to now, of course, is I, I left that job, and I left that job almost, almost two years ago, um, and moved into doing this full-time. So you know that was the the big moment, I suppose, that everyone looks to and looks forward to the day they quit their their day job and get to do their their oh. passion thing full-time. Um, so I think that's the biggest change for me. I mean, that was kind of a gradual process for me and it's one that I really look back on with gratitude that I didn't rush that process I think it's so important like I am like a lot of people are like oh when it comes to entrepreneurship or building like you're either all in or you're all out and I I think I suppose that mentality is true when it comes to what you do like the thing that you create Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's true within the scope of the you know the the reality of, of finances and having a foundation so I'm very grateful that I, I did these two things concurrently for so long, um, and then left and had leverage when I left, so that when I was continuing to build my business, what I do, my platforms, there was no desperation, there was no oh I've got to do this that I got I got to put food on the table, I've got to take this deal, I've got to do everything. So I'm really grateful for that certainly, um, and you know it was really I, I think it's powerful to to build from a place of patience because usually patience gives you, you know, more purity in, in the form of what you're building or your content. You could be more honest as opposed to, you know, doing things for dollars or doing things for scale and so on and so forth. So I think for me, that that's been the biggest thing since since 2019 is that big shift there. Um, but I mean, you know, a lot of it is the same. I mean, to your point about consistency, I'm approaching episode 500. So I suppose in 2019, whenever we talked in, in 2019, for me, I was probably less than a hundred episodes in or a hundred episodes or so yeah. in, cause I started the podcast in 2018, like in mid to late 2018. So 400 episodes later, um, I think when it comes to the craft and what I do, um, that's been really big. And I think also like the, the biggest thing I've realized is the compounding effect from the podcast. If we're talking about the podcast specifically, the-, the compounding effect that comes from doing 500 episodes, cause it's no longer about, all right, do an episode, publish an episode, move to your next episode it isn't in practicality but it's more so about what do i do with those episodes that i've released in the past what do i do with the data what do i do with my listenership feedback and since then i've written five books you know a bunch of journals i've created a bunch of products i've created a ton of content so for me it's become this this wheel of you know sit down think very in depth about a topic release a podcast use that to then create something in the future a book a product an idea um, so it's been this, this very compounding effect where it's not just do a podcast, move on to your next one. It's do a podcast and then use that in the future for something that continues to grow you. Um, and that's been really big. Like I, this morning I spent the last like five hours working on my next book, which is all just from the past four years of podcasts. So yeah. I'm never like creating from zero anymore. The, 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 podcast for me is zero and I create from that. And then that fuels everything I do. Mm. Um, and that's been a big, um, kind of aha moment for me. And I love that
0: thought. Yeah, because when you think about like, well, I think it goes back to what you mentioned too about not being pressured by money potentially, because that's where I think a lot of folks get pressured, right? Where they have to take the quick dollar and ultimately that veers them off the path like you've been doing um, with a, that consistency. And unfortunately, you know, you start going down these these rabbit holes and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't watched the podcast episode in three months. You know, I think we both have talked to people um, that have started podcasts. Well, you know, maybe after us that we started and then they've stopped it already because of, yeah. hey, they took the short term win maybe. And again, everyone st- starts and stops as I, I think, you know, you, I've heard you say this as well. Like I always encourage people, like if you want to start a podcast, do it, put in at least though, like 10 or 20 episodes. You may not like it after that. And that's cool. But why are you continuing? Like if you don't have that why in place, it's like really why start it in the first place? I guess yeah. there might be better well, use yeah. of the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the ultimate foundational question. Like, why are you doing anything? Is it because everyone else is doing it? Is it because it's, you know, something that is expected of you? Who knows? I think you've got to have a really personal why. I mean, for me, I always joke that, and it's not even a joke. I say that the podcast is my form of therapy because it really is. And I get so much (laughs) value from my own podcast that, you know, even if no one listened anymore, uh, it would still benefit me and it would still give me things to write and create from. So there's so much value for me there. So it's never a forced thing that I have to do or I feel compelled to do. And I think, I think frankly, that's kind of rare. I think a lot of people struggle with that um, because the the motivation to start something in the first place, isn't as deep as we think it would be. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, I just, you know, I like talking with interesting people. Yeah. That's, that's a good starting point for a podcast, I suppose, but I think we need to find a layer deeper um and then to your point i think you need to commit to something you need to say i'm going to commit to a year's worth of podcasting once a week or twice a week or whatever it is because truly especially in podcasting which is very difficult very difficult to grow um you you need to have a a extreme layer of consistency there to, to look back on and say okay you know i did what i said i was going to do i released a bunch and it's either not working or it doesn't speak to me in the way that i thought it would or I'm going to pivot and do version 2.0. But you got to give yeah. yourself something to react to. And that's why I think it's so important to, you know, at least commit to 20 episodes, 30, 40, 50, something like that.
0: Well, and then, re- I mean, realizing that it's not going to happen overnight. Like you're not just going to post five episodes and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to get like some massive sponsors and a, you know maybe someone picks you up or whatever on a big network yeah. or something like it it doesn't happen like that. It's kind of thinking out. I, I was, uh, I was talking with, I think you were on Danny Miranda's podcast and, and him and I were talking recently about this whole thing of like thinking in decades, like, th- like I'm excited. Like when I launch episode 1000 and 2000 and you know, like that'll be yeah. amazing. Cause it's like, okay, you put in 10 or 20 years, like, cause assuming podcasting is still going to be around then. So I think having that longer time horizon to your point, it's like doing it because of that. Why ultimately you could quote unquote win, if you're actually doing it for the long scale if you're not looking at the long time horizon you can't expect to just get randomly picked up
1: yeah and i I wouldn't blame people for quitting quickly if they don't have the why and if they're comparing themselves from a place of lack because i i like i'm a professional podcaster which is very difficult to do like my podcast is signed with serious xm which is also very difficult to do it took me five years to get to this point four years of which were just by myself But I can pick up my phone right now and feel very defeated. (laughs) I can (laughs) compare myself to any of the numerous, numerous, numerous bigger podcasts than me and feel very defeated easily. And I'm in the the top 0.01%. So, like, imagine just getting started. Like, it's so easy to defeat yourself through comparison um, that, you know, for me, that's why I try to stay away from that kind of stuff. So, I think, yeah, I think you, you have a powerful why that is like powerful, not just, you know, I want to impact a million people. I don't think that's powerful enough. I don't think that's self-centered enough. Like I talk a lot about the idea of compassionate self-centeredness, both in like relationships and in business. Like you have to start with yourself. It has to be there Mm -hmm. as humans, like we're wired for that. And we need to find that reason. And then along the way, you need to not compare yourself to other people, which is easier said than done. I saw that like. I think it was uh, on average like 10% of our daily thoughts are devoted to comparison of some kind. It's hmm. a lot of thoughts. I think we've got like 10,000 thoughts a day. So you're saying a thousand thoughts a day are dedicated to comparing yourself. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. so we've got, we've got to find a way to, uh, you know, sometimes escape the data, the money, the the clout, whatever it is, and return back to that reason. And, um, you know, easier said than done. But I think if you lock that in, yeah, then you're absolutely looking at 10, 20 years, you know, large
0: time horizons. One of the things, well, you actually mentioned this in, in a recent podcast you did, and I think that maybe this is a, we can kind of pin these together of this, that you talk about manifestation and this, uh, the, the, what I loved you, the way you said it was life reacts to what we do. And this comes back to, you can't just say, ah, I want a podcast or I want to write a book or I want to do whatever, or, hey, in time, I'll do that. You actually have to go out and create. So I'm, I'm curious your thoughts about how you've thought about creating. And then also, maybe whether it's practical advice, or you can kind of go down whatever you know uh, path you want of, of how you put in the time to actually create, how do you actually structure your day, maybe those type of things that are important to creating the habits to create, you can't just kind of randomly do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so I, I did release that episode on manifesting. I mean, that's a little tough love. Like, I'm a pretty gentle mindfulness guy. And I, I try to give people a lot of empathy and understanding. And but at the end of the day, like, You can't think yourself into what you want, whether that's the person you want to be or the business you want to build. Like you can't, you know, good things don't come from people with just positive intentions. I think there's something to be said about knowing what you want and having clarity. I think that is so, so, so important. Um, Far more important than a lot of things, in fact, like the way that you execute maybe. But you still have to execute. You still have to do things. You still have to verb things. I think we've got this weird misunderstanding about manifestation. Mm -hmm as a topic, like the only reason I talk about this topic is because so many people talk about it. I just call it doing, but we like to dress it up and call it manifesting. But, you know, I think for some reason we skip a step. We think, all right, I've done this work. I've sat down. I have goals. I know what I want. I know what I'm good at. Like it's time to go. Like I can't wait for that moment. And yes, that is, you need that in order to be incentivized to do things. But at the end of the day, to, to, to your quote from the episode, is like the universe, people, markets, industries, luck can only respond to what you do. Like manifestation manifestation as a topic is just life reacting to what you do. But I think we've got it the other way. Sometimes we're like, we're like, well, I will just react to what life gives me. And because I have good intentions and a good work ethic, then eventually you know, this thing that I want will manifest. And I just don't think that's accurate. I think you've really, really got to put out some volume and shout it from a mountain as often and realistically as possible. And then you'll get somewhere, like yeah. absolutely. And I think we've got to be pragmatic about it. Like, I think we've really got to think about who we're trying to serve and what that looks like, especially in a a crowded market like podcasting. Everyone has a podcast. There's more podcasts than ever. Um, It's tough. It's tough to, to break out. So I think really the only thing that separates one person from another in podcasting, for one, is consistency. And then two is your thing. Like, what is your thing? Um, and, and how do you stick to that thing when you're tempted to be like someone else or to emulate someone else? I think that, you know, for me, I always joke that I, I share my feelings for a living. Like, that's my thing. A relatable guy sharing his feelings for a living and not deviating from that. You know, I have a publicist. I have an agent. Um, and they, they always get on me about my refusal to call myself an expert. I just don't like it. It feels disingenuous. Who, who am I to, to say I'm an expert on this, that or the other? Mm-hmm. But that's my thing, and I I stay rooted in that, both in the way that I carry myself, I suppose, but also in the way that I approach these topics. Like, my favorite phrase is, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not gonna take a stab at something I don't know. Um, So that's my thing, right? I'm very stubborn about that, and I think that's served me really well. Um, And you know, just staying in my lane for 500 episodes, I think, is, is, is key. And finding a way to make that sustainable. Like, it's not like every day I sit down from zero, and I'm like, all right, what am I gonna talk about? no i i'm always thinking of things i've got google docs on google docs and notes on my phone of ideas that i've written down mm. over the years and i'm always marinating on them and then i pick it um you know i as a creator artist whatever you know i think my brain is one of always looking for inspiration i think that's key like if you're going to be a creator a full-time creator or a, a, someone who takes creating seriously you've got to see life through the lens of inspiration Um, you know, how can you be inspired to think differently, to challenge something, to react to something in a way? Like, I think we need that mentality and I think it's really helpful, um, you know, for me. So when I sit down and do the podcast, I just, I pick from something that inspired me recently that I know I can add value to that. I'm not just going to chop it up and, you know, talk about and repeat the same rhetoric, but how can I offer something different? I mean, really for me, like my thing is I'll take one question, I'll take one topic and I'll beat it up for 20 minutes. I repeat myself a lot. Um, and I'll repeat the cliches, but I'll come at it from maybe a different angle, or I'll ask a a question that has really helped me lots of I statements. Um, and that's been, you know, really powerful, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, consistency, you know, a willingness to put something out that doesn't do well and a willingness to, to try again when it doesn't do well, (laughs) like, you know, I'm fortunate to do decent on Instagram for instance, but like Sometimes the algorithm blesses and sometimes it takes away and when it takes away, it could take away for months. Yeah. And you're, you questioning yourself, like what's the point of doing this? You know, yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating, uh, but you've got to, you know, go back to that reason why and then go back to the numbers and go back to understanding that manifestation or attracting, creating, whatever, it's all about reacting the world, people, industries reacting to what you do. And if you're not doing, you know, you're not, you're not conspiring anything in your favor. Yeah.
0: Well, I think, you know, you, you kind of just made me think of a, a thought there around, you know, like when we were kids, right, you were so scared to raise your hand in class because, you know, oh, I don't want to ask this question. But reality, again, half the class or more had that question. I've kind of taken this approach and maybe, maybe you've, you've probably done the same with what you put out of like leading, being the one not afraid to ask the question and to put that content out, that information. I'm, to, to your point, you mentioned about therapy earlier, the podcast partially, but really it's the blog that I write. That's my therapy hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's being willing to be like, all right, I'll be very vulnerable. I'll share because I know there's other th- folks out there that probably feel this exact same way. They just are maybe unwilling to share it themselves, but they need to hear it. They need to kind of read it back potentially. So I don't know, that, that's kind of the thought I take to it of like, I, I like how you say you're sharing your feelings. It's kind of like someone has to lead because a lot of folks, just like I was you know, pre-2017, I was scared as hell to put myself out there. I was scared to even do anything that, kind of lit me up because what are people going to think? And once you kind of get yeah. past that, you're like, oh shit, like no one really cares actually. Um, so just do yeah. it anyways, if it makes me happy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I struggled with that for a long time because I worked in, in technology sales. So I led a sales team for eight years prior. It's very different mentalities. That is all about hustling, making money, defining yourself by be a closer, boiler room, like yep. Wolf of Wall Street, like that was the vibe. So switching from that to sharing your feelings for a living is, is 180s. And a lot of people poked fun at me, made fun of me. I remember when I was doing it concurrently with that job, someone would ask me about it and I would downplay it. I'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't really care about that. That's not important to me. That's just something silly I do, where that wasn't true at all. I cared about it a lot, but I, I hid from it because of exactly what you said, judgment, um, skepticism, you know, the the whole thing. Um, and, you know, I I a lot of times I hear people say things like, you know, people, People aren't looking at you like you think they are. Like People don't care about what you're doing. I think that's true to an extent. Like I, I think most people are too busy with their own lives to really care. But I think people do notice what you're doing and people do hate on it. And I try to live in the, in the lane of, so what? They literally know nothing about my why. Like, they don't know anything about why I do what I do or what it means to me. And I come back to that for one, I think I find that to be motivating. And that's where my why is because it it's mine. Mm-hmm. It is mine. No one else can take it from me. Everyone in life is just doing what they think is expected of them. hundred percent. And if I could break free from that in some sense, it really fills me with a sense of conviction and motivation, um, to do that. And that's what keeps me going. But I think, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really necessarily encourage people to like create an identity around what they do. Cause I think that could be a slippery slope when things aren't going well, but I certainly think you need to be comfortable in the, in the person who sits behind hitting publish. Like you've got to be comfortable with being that person. Um, because there's value in being that person. Like I am a completely different person since the start of the podcast, 100%. And I'm so much better for it. Um, but I never would have known that if I had given up early or I let some of the, you know, poking fun of Case being a influencer or a, you know, feelings sharer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, again, full circle, but you've got to find a reason that the thing that you're creating benefits you. Yeah. Um, and when you find that, I think you're going to be drawn to just continue to do it.
0: Well, it also goes back to you talking about the comparison stuff, you know, the 10% or whatever, like. Yeah it's that's that whole, you know, the man in the arena speech, which I think you know, everyone enjoys that. If like who's shouting at you saying that you're not good enough? Are they even creating? Like what why is it even beneficial? Like why am I giving it any air or attention? Yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. useless. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're not they're not in the game. Um, and that's likely where their their, you know, hate comes from. Like the whole recently, like this whole thing about blue checks on Instagram has really got me thinking about that. Like the people who are making the noise about it are a lot of people who don't have blue checks, and they're just haters. They're haters because they never had the the gall to go out and create and yeah. try to become, you know, notable for something. Like it, it comes from people who are not in the game. It comes from people who are on the couch commenting on people who had the courage to try. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I never try to create conversations about like you versus other people, but like some people just don't get it, and they're always going to see you through the lens of their own inadequacy their own fear their own insecurity their own unwillingness to try or be misunderstood so i think i think that means something in this day and age like i just released a book and i talked a lot about the topic that has gotten a lot of momentum lately the idea of mimetic theory and mimetic desire and how there's very very few things in life that we're doing that we weren't influenced to do that we're kind of just robot mode with timelines and goals and aspirations i think any time you can say I've taken the time to examine why I'm doing this. I have a personal why I have experience that gives me why I think you're, you're, you're setting yourself so far from other people that that's something always to be proud of to say, this is mine. There was no mimicking. There was no social psychology at play here. I'm doing this because it means something to me. I think that's rare and it's something to be proud of.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I'm assuming most people that are listening to this podcast are in the they want to do something they're creating. They're not in the hating category, hopefully. nice. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to I want to go back uh, quickly, if you can, maybe share a little bit. You know, I had Mike Lewis on, who wrote this great book called When to Jump, and kind of talking about this plan in place. Can you share just a little about um, your jump? You know, you mentioned, hey, two years ago, you left. You're kind of doing this full time now. Mm-hmm. How did you get, was there a certain number you had in place? Hey, I have to have certain saved up, or hey, I have to have a certain amount of you know i don't know listeners or sponsorship coming mm-hmm. in a- anything that you could share of like how you structured i know it'll be different than everyone else's but maybe some things for folks that think about if they are looking to jump
1: yeah that's a good question i mean there's certain i wasn't i certainly wasn't sitting there and be like all right here's the game plan when i hit this i go because everything was happening so fast especially in 2020 i released my first journal in 2020 And that was my first form of monetization truly like i didn't monetize the podcast in any sense never did a single sponsor in fact until the last couple of months here so (laughs) i'm unmonetized for almost five years um but i mean the long and short of my entrepreneurial journey is releasing those journals went from zero dollars to almost six million in the first 18 months like it was crazy and i I don't say numbers like that to, to be cool i learned a lot made a lot of mistakes um you know, learned a lot. I didn't know anything about shipping and fulfillment and manufacturing and costs and anything like that. So I certainly learned a lot over that period. And I think luck played a role in, you know, mid to late 2020. There was a lot of demand for wellness products considering everything that was going on in the world. Um, but I was still working that that job. Um, but you know, for me it, it it proved the business model, which I think is important because the business model of like influencing or podcast sponsorship, that I'm not, so, I'm not so convinced of that as like a sustainable model. like yeah, it works, but it, it only works if you're able to find those sponsors. But for me, when I was looking at like my ability to make an income through building a brand, that was something that I had more control over. It put all the control in, in my hands and that was what I was looking for. Like how can I prove a model that I can control um, that has proven metrics? You know I ran that business for a year and a half before I decided to leave. Um, and how can I use that to be the proof point that, you know, I can leave and have control over these different elements of the business and that can provide for me as opposed to, yeah, if this sponsor renews and this one renews, then yeah, I'm good to go, but something that I can actually control. So that was what I was really looking for in the form of like personal leverage, things that I can control. Plus of course, the leap of faith that when things don't go well, I can pivot and and do well. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, I, I left um that job after you know taking the business from zero to you know mid seven figures pretty quickly um but then a lot happened in, in advertising and, and a lot happened in the industry that really uh made that a challenge from there um but yeah that was that was the game plan and i think it was really backed by patience again it was just that idea to, the one thing i did do well was have the foresight to know to not leave too early just because i i you know i remember working know jobs in chicago when i first moved to chicago making like 30 grand a year i was not making any money and i just i knew what it was like to not have that leverage and i knew the mentality that comes with it of i need to do this i need to do this like i need to i need to survive i need to provide and i just knew within the scope of something that i was passionate about that i was building that, that those two mentalities could not coexist so i was just very patient um, with, you know, building the the leverage so I could say no. So I could say yes. And, you know, everything in between. Um, and it took a long time. I mean, it took, you know, two and a half years of, of doing everything on the side until, you know, the right moment and randomness and luck and COVID and, you know, having the ability to work at home as well mm-hmm. for, you know, those, those years running a sales team from home and we realized how much free time I truly had and I could put into the business. So just, you know, made me more serious
0: and, yeah. And then fast forward, the rest is history. Do you remember the the day you thought about quitting or maybe the day you quit, like in terms of, was that like a huge weight off your shoulder? You've been working uh, for a lot of years. Like, <laughs> I mean, I wish I, not to discourage
1: anyone. Uh, it wasn't like the moment that I pictured. I think we all have these pictures in our heads of like, oh, I quit. And everyone, and you're like, oh, this is amazing. And then yeah. you go and you print money on your, <laughs> and you go to your money tree and things are just great. Um, it wasn't so much that it was just gradual. It was just, you know, gradually for one saying, Oh, maybe I don't have to do this. And then the business wasn't doing great that I was working at the economy was having some effects. So eventually I was like, why not just try now? Why not just go and do it? But even like the day I quit, I, even then I remember talking to my mom, um, who, she didn't mean it when she said it like this, but she made a comment about throwing it away. She made a comment about, Oh, you're going to do that. You threw away eight years at this company going from, you know, uh, account executive to vice president you're throwing that away. And she didn't mean it like that. I was like, oh man, what if I am throwing it away? Like, what if I just made a really bad decision? Because when you leave a sales role where your value is your Rolodex and what you've done and who you know in the region that you work, it's kind of tough to get back if you take off a considerable amount of time. Like now that I'm like two years out, if like say something happened, I wanted to go work again, it would be, it would be a challenge. Someone would have to like take a bet on me. Um so yeah even like the day I quit I was like oh man did I just make a bad decision <laughs> and I think every entrepreneur of course faces that they face their own paranoia their own imposter syndrome um so but I say that in a really hopeful way and that I think you're always going to feel doubt but doubt doesn't mean you made the wrong decision and I know I made the right decision but every single day and I'm 2 years out from doing that I feel the same thing oh, what if it all comes to an end what if People stop supporting me. What if I lose my touch? What if I run out of things to talk about? Yeah. I constantly think about that. But what I realize now is that it's part of the process. Just because I feel the doubt doesn't mean it's accurate. I could challenge that feeling and say, "Well, that can't be true." Every other time I've done this, that, and the other. Here's the things that I do. Here's my commitment. I'm good to go. So I say that in, in a positive way, not to mm-hmm. discourage people. Just know that those feelings of doubt are normal. Even on the uh, even on that day you've been <laughs> picturing and maybe you know fantasizing about, it. it's going to be there. Um, and I think that's
0: healthy, keeps you on your toes. Okay. Let's you know, chat about your mom or just support systems in general. Yeah. Cause I'm sure she meant well by that. You know, we know yeah. how, how mothers are, um, <laughs> but, yeah. and obviously you, you share a lot about relationships. You talk about relationships. Um, how have you changed your mind on relationships over the last handful of years? And how have you kind of maybe changed the circles that you run with versus five, 10 years ago? Do those look similar or are those totally different of, of the, how you choose the right people to be in your life?
1: Yeah, I'd say they certainly have changed on the like platonic business friend level. Absolutely. You know, I'm interested in people who are doing audacious things, certainly because I want to be inspired, um, you know, I'm, insp- I, I'm inspired by people who get it. I'm inspired by people who are willing to do different and be different and chase different like that. I think that's really important to me. So I'd say <clears throat> my friend circle has gotten smaller in that respect. And then, you know, the great thing about being vocal about what you're passionate about is it attracts other people who are passionate about things. So I think it's just the collision effect there, you know, objects in motion, stay in motion and bump into other people in motion. It's become really great to make random, random Internet connections that lead to lifelong friendships and, and everything in between. So I'd say certainly, you know. The cliches are true you know who you associate with the five people your your net worth is your network the whole thing is true absolutely um, but I do think it's really important especially in entrepreneurship which the cliches are also true it's very lonely it can be very alienating you need to have those people who get it and you can have those conversations with um, so yeah I'd say that's been you know really helpful um, and as really you know I've, I, I think about a lot of limiting beliefs I used to have around like who am I to do to so write a book, for instance, or release a journal. There's a million journals. There's a million books. Why would anyone buy mine? And I used to have that mentality a lot until I had some some good friends who you know have built some large large companies say so. Just because other people have done it doesn't mean you can't do it. Doesn't mean you can't do it in the way that you see fit with a little bit of case Kenny, you know, pizzazz on it, and have that be the difference. So, I think my my network has really helped combat some of the natural imposter syndrome we're talking about here as well. Um, and, you know, just having that support system and being able to vocalize some of the things that I think we're, you know, more in tune with keeping inside of us has been super, super important. Yeah.
0: And, and by the way, those people, this is one thing I've, it took me a long time to realize those people that have published stuff that are out there, they started from zero. They started for at some point, they've never written a book, they never wrote an article, they never yep. had a podcast, they never did anything, you know, we all Kind of wearing diapers at one point, right? So it's, <laughs> yeah, they had to create. So you know, this is one of the things too with, um, with social media. I know that's really, I guess, uh, disheartening for a lot of people because they're like, oh, look at all these people creating or doing things. You know, maybe folks look at you and they're like, oh my god, look what Case has been doing, and oh, he's got lucky breaks. You get the haters, those type of folks. But at the end of the day, they don't know all the work you're doing in the background. They don't know all the, like you're saying, I'm sitting, I'm thinking about ideas. I'm trying to, you know, bring about things from old podcast episodes to help in new stuff. Like, you know, that type of stuff that you're doing behind the scenes, that's what I love about having great support systems. Cause people that are cheering for you knowing, Hey, I'm doing the hard work as well. I'm in the arena. I know you're doing the hard work behind the scenes. You might not show it on social media, but it's out there. So I think having yeah. those right people in your life to kind of keep pushing you forward, like, Hey, don't get discouraged because you're doing a lot of things that you want to do and that are different and the world needs them,
1: you know? Yeah. I think that's an important point. Like the behind the scenes is, is everything. That's where everything happens. Yeah. Like the, the thing on social media does not matter. That is not the work. Yeah. Um, maybe there's a couple people whose job truly is social media, the influencers, but I can tell you for one, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not building the businesses that you likely want to build. The businesses that are built are built on the back end with the work that's put in the boring stuff, the boring stuff, the stuff that yeah you don't publish on social media because it's boring. Um, that is where the real action happens. And that's where the real business model presents itself. Like for me, like I don't make money from social media, like social media is a way to get eyes and ears onto the things that I'm good at and passionate about that lead me to, to make money and monetize and actually build a business. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes it's easy to judge yourself based on the the outer appearance, but we need to give ourselves credit for the things behind the scenes. And I think, yeah, to your point, having the support system of people who get that, who understand the unsexiness of even the business I'm in, which on the service, people are like, oh my gosh, case that's so great. You just get to write and talk all day and post on social media. Yeah, it's a privilege. Absolutely. But that is like very, <laughs> that is not what goes into it really. Um, and I think. You know having people who get that is
0: so important yeah well what about i want to talk about journaling maybe and, and this could we can kind of you know, end on this because i think we could probably go deep down the rabbit hole but why obviously you're you're creating journals is journaling a big part of your life is that something you've done for a long time or
1: well it, it's one of those things yeah this it, is a good topic because you talk about like why do you build a product You should build a product that you want that you would use and perhaps that you haven't been able to find the version that is most useful for you so for me many many years ago i was like i would love to journal everyone i i talked to talks about how powerful journaling is and how you need to get up in the morning and journal and i was like all right i'll become a journaler and i would go out and i would buy every journal i can get my hands on and for me i never really they never didn't really work for me i found that they they were one of two categories they were either too open to stream of consciousness, to um, you know, just uh, just put your thoughts in here, stream of consciousness, what are you feeling today? It was too that, I'm a little too ADD for that. Or it was like, it made me more stressed to journal because it was like, all right, five goals for the day, come back at lunch, talk about your process, your progress at the end of the day, come back and do this. So it felt too prompted or too unprompted. And I was like, huh, you know, personally, I would like something that probably sits in the middle of that, that I, I hadn't been able to find a version of that that worked. So that was the impetus for me to create a journal that i would use something that takes 10 minutes a day you could do any time of day it wasn't a productivity journal um, but it wasn't uh just share your emotions journal it was the challenging journal that kept you accountable but did it in a simple way that was a good mix of prompted and unprompted that was the whole genesis and i created that and that is how everything started and from there yes voracious journaler because i've realized the power of questions not just the power of writing down what you want to hear, because I think a good journal is a combination of, you know, checking yourself. Where are we? Where's your head out today? Let's just at least let's get where we're at. And then hitting you with a very hard bespoke custom question that gets you thinking. That is the value of journaling. And that is, that is mindfulness. All mindfulness is, is, you know, a compassionate challenging of the assumptions you've made to date and exposing of what you don't know, the challenging of what you do know. And I think really the only way to do that is with very specific questions that go beyond five things you're grateful for. What do you want out of life? Who are you? How do you feel? Because I think we're very wired to just repeat the same things or tell ourselves the things we want to hear. I think a good journal makes you uncomfortable in a sense uh, and empowers you to go out and live that. So that's been my whole thing with journals, and I've created quite a few based on different topics, but... I've just, re- i realized the power of a good question, um, which sounds simple, but I think, you know, the reason for a product should be simple. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's, been, that's, that's been the genesis of it. Like I've just realized how, you know, the, how powerful the right question at the right
0: time can be in life. If someone's listening in, what question should they be asking themselves today? Like they're only going to write one question down. What would you encourage them to, to think about?
1: Um, I mean, I, I have a lot of, of prompts around that, around like identity. Like I think the, the most foundational ones is like, who do you want to be? But defining yourself by verbs, you talk about manifesting earlier. Like, I like the exercise that I, I borrow from um, habit formation, which is like, I'm the kind of person who and then you complete that with as many verb statements as possible, because so I think our inclination when we say like, who do you want to be or what's your goal in life? Most of us say, I just want to be happy. I want to be successful. I think that's a challenge because that's a very ambiguous statement and it's difficult to be that person at all times and when we're not the person we want to be we tend to devolve and blame ourselves and guilt ourselves and do all these things but a statement like I'm the kind of person who, and then you list out these statements for one, it gives you verbs to do, and two it gives you credit for what you're doing and it keeps you going. Um, so something as simple as that, I think is really powerful. That's one that I I try to do as often as can, as I can, even amidst moments where I'm not happy or I'm not feeling successful. I sit down and say, I'm the kind of person who it reminds me of what I've been doing and it keeps me accountable for what I need to do. And it inspires me. Maybe it'll give me an idea. If I say I want to be successful, what does that mean? First of all, we need to define success, but also what are the things I'm doing that will make me successful? Let's forget the adjectives. I don't like adjectives. I like verbs. Instead of I want to be successful, I know I'm the kind of person who does what he says he's going to do. I'm the kind of person who is willing to reach out to someone and start an awkward conversation. I'm the kind of person who commits to doing 100 episodes or whatever it may be. I find that kind of thing really invigorating. And often, if we're at a point where we have a goal, but we don't have verbs that align with it, it's a great opportunity to actually create a plan, a plan of attack. Um, So again, my my whole thing with mindfulness is it's like action-oriented, like... There, there's value, of course, in being self-aware, um, but self-awareness without action is, I don't want to say meaningless, but where does it lead you? You know, yeah. the whole point of being intentional and you know tr- looking inside and doing inner work is to manifest in in outer work, in actions, in doing different, and doing better, and doing simpler, whatever it may be. So, I think a good journal gets you honest, but gets you action-oriented. And, um, for me, that's just kind of what I've always tried to create and, you know, really what I gravitate towards
0: personally. Well, I think it's a nice loop back to, you know, life reacts to what we do. We have to, we, it's, it's one thing to say, Hey, I want to journal. It's another thing to put some time in, even if it's one minute a day, right? Even you don't have to, you know, make yourself a bath. You don't have to put candles on, you don't, to, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. just journal, pick out a, t- yeah. like I journal at nighttime before bed. I don't know about you. Like that's, yeah. that's what works for me. Yeah. right? Some other people, maybe they do it. Maybe they're thinking about the question when they're on a walk. Like it doesn't matter. It's the fact that you put some time and energy and build.
1: Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I used to be like very anti self-help. So like, Oh, do I need to get some robes and some yeah. <laughs> crystals and align my chakras? Like, what does that mean? Mindfulness is the most practical thing in the world. Recently, I've been referring to it as brute force mindfulness, which is just introspection that Gives you so much incentive to take action that you can't help but do things differently or better or more in tune, whatever it may be. That is mindfulness. And like to your point about when and where, it does not matter. In fact, I'm working with a fitness brand right now to create a mindfulness journal that you use it in the gym, like in between sets. Like there is, there is no defined parameter for when you can or should be mindful or practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is literally just introspection. It's the, the the question of why and the answer of why. And when I look at it that way, it's much more practical than being like, Oh, mindfulness is energy and energy is healing. It's like, yeah, sure. Those, those are elements of it. And I love people who take a more spiritual approach to mindfulness. But for me, mindfulness is literally just getting honest with yourself and allowing that honesty to lead, to actions that are aligned with the honesty as opposed to copying borrowing rushing impatience whatever it may be so for me it's you know it's it's the most practical thing in the world and i well, usually when i journal I, I listen to house music upbeat dance music like i'm not sitting here you know with classical music on that's just my style yeah. and i think people you know can find freedom in broadening their definition of mindfulness so it doesn't become a hokey cliche thing. It becomes just a powerful action oriented thing that gives you clarity. That is the point of, of journaling mindfulness to give you clarity. So obviously very passionate about this.
0: That's awesome. And, and your new, it's the new journal is called that's bold of you, right? Is that the new journal?
1: Uh, that's actually just a book. Oh, is that the, uh, that that's the first, book. Oh, that's... that was my first book book. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's got the essence of a journal, okay. but it's in the, in a book form. Um, but yeah, all my, all my other journals are like, journal journals um but again I, i've kind of taken a little bit of different approach to journals there's a lot of journals out there where it's just like the same page over and over again yeah. my journals usually are uh different prompts every day of course uh but also a little bit of perspective alongside of it a couple paragraphs of something to consider i i've just found you know sometimes when we're stuck in our heads mm-hmm. a question a question's a question we'll give it the same answer we've always given it or we'll avoid the honest answer but you add a little bit of perspective from someone like myself or like you could be an aha moment just the way that someone says something it could break you free of the same thing the same thing or aversion to honesty so that's why like for me my form of journaling it's like a hybrid it's kind of like prose plus journal just a little bit and you know that is the push that sometimes I think we need to finally be honest with ourselves.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'll link all this up in the the show notes, but uh, yeah, case, I appreciate you, you joining on here. I, I love your stuff online. And you know, one of the things I like about a lot of the content you put out, it definitely, even for me, again, I'm doing a lot of different stuff here, but it always makes me think I'm like, okay, this is a different perspective. Like, I like how you come at it from a different angle. That mindfulness, really thinking about not just the generic crap you kind of see all over, right? <laughs> so I, I do like how you're thoughtful about it, and 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 things that I think most of us think about, but we don't want to give too much air to because again, it's a little uncomfortable at times. So again, I, I appreciate all the the stuff that you're putting out there, and it's good to see that you're doing well, man. Well, appreciate that.
1: Right back at you. Yeah, I mean that's that's where the win is. It's in the discomfort. It's in the cliche. It's yeah. in the. And uh, doing the work. So, you know, guys like us, I, I think, uh, it helps us grow and it helps other people. So that's a win-win. It's a privilege to be able
0: to do it. Yeah. Well, thanks again, case for joining any, uh, last comments, thoughts, insights where people can check you out if it's other places than, you know, like Instagram or website or anything, or
1: uh, no, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, the podcast is new mindset, who does new mindset, for, for journals and books and, uh, Instagram is, is where it's at, but, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you giving me time. I think really for me, I'm a uh, passionate about, creating a movement around mindfulness. I'm releasing a new project uh, in the coming weeks that it's kind of it's like the idea is like, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than case. It's not just case. It's a community around people who are passionate about taking time every day to create mindfulness in their lives, intentional mindfulness, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it's not convenient. I've just found, I just turned 35, just, uh, you know, the, the value of slowing down. Like forcing yourself to slow down, yeah. Because I think we're especially as you get older, you're just wired. You're just wired to go the same pace. I think slowing down is is such a gift. Stillness It's my favorite word. Uh, it's a gift, and um, so soon we'll be seeing some more uh, for me uh, on, the, on that topic. I usually I won't shut up about the things I'm passionate about, so I'll be talking <laughs> about stillness a lot moving forward.
0: <laughs> Dude, I love you no. Know, I, I I've been you know into Stoicism. Actually, I got my uh, memento mori tattoo. Oh there. yeah, yeah. I remember stoicism that so, right there, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I feel you on that. Well, uh, yeah, again, man, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining and, uh, and taking some time out of your day, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, Brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.